Good morning. It's great to have you here with us this morning. We are in a series talking about the stories that Jesus told. And, um, and you just heard one, and we're going to read that here in just a few minutes. You know, uh, we're really fascinated by stories. We aren't really, a, a, as a Western culture, a storytelling culture, but, but we know a good story when we hear one, and it draws us in. In fact, something that we've talked about over the last few weeks as we've been in this series is when you hear a good story, and generally, I mean, we read those in books, we see them in movies often, is you just can't help but to um, insert yourself into a story, Right? You kind of pick a character and you say, that's me, um, and what would I do in that situation, or, or this is how I would have felt, or you just kind of picture yourself uh, reenacting the things that that character does, because we love inserting ourselves in stories, because stories just draw us in. They evoke reality. So a good story has lots of hints of reality, of emotions and things that you and I feel and the things that we experience, because that's kind of what draws us in. But then it takes it a step further, and it stretches our imagination as to what could be, something that could be in the future or in a, or in a different place. And stories fascinate us. And Jesus was a master storyteller. And he did just that. When Jesus would tell a story, he would always focus on a context that his listeners, that his hearers could understand, something every day to them, something that they saw regularly, something they could really wrap their, their, their arms around and wrap their mind around. But then he would take it a notch further. He would flip what they thought they knew over on its head, and he would reveal to them something startling, something that when the kingdom of God invades this earth, it's going to change everything they thought they knew. And so when Jesus told a story, that's exactly what he said. He said, when the kingdom of God, and, and, and you hear that in scripture, it's synonymous with the kingdom of heaven or Jesus's kingdom. All three are the same, all right? And that is this, that when God, he, this is what Jesus would say, when God's sovereign power, his will, his presence, his work starts invading earth, it's going to take everything that you thought you knew and flip it. It's going to take all of your presuppositions, and he's going to flip it. Because what God's now in the midst, even now, when Jesus said the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing on this earth, it started then, and it's happening now. That God is remaking things. That God is going to make everything new. And he's going to take everything that we thought we knew, and he's going to say, nah, but here's what God's kingdom does when it invades your life. It finishes the work. That's God's kingdom. And so when we talk about God's kingdom on earth coming and his will starting to be done and changing things, when Jesus tells a story, all right, when we read about a story in, in, in God's word and Jesus says the kingdom of God's like this, or when he's describing any story, he's describing how the things ought to be, okay, how things should be, right, then that, has, that should perk our ears up. We should listen and we should, we should lean in because it has something very much to say about how we experience life, about how we live in this life, and not just how we look forward to eternity, but how others will look forward to eternity as well. And so Jesus' stories matter because Jesus is telling a story about how your story should work, about how your life should look, about what God's doing in your life. And we believe, as followers of Jesus, that God is telling this story in your life and in mine. And he doesn't just do it for our eternity, for our perspective on who he is and how he works, but he gives you a story so that you can share it with other people, because that's why stories were created, to share. 
So throughout this series, we're asking you and challenging you to share your story. And so we've created a tool for you. There's a paper version that's back on this communion table right here in the back. You can grab it on your way out. It's a simple tool to walk through. You can also go to thewocc.com and click on the Storytellers Sermon Series, and there's a place where you'll see resources. Click on that, and you'll get a digital copy of it. What that does is just walks you through considering what is your story of faith? Where are you beginning in your faith journey, and what has God been doing? It's a very simple tool, but it gets you to think about what your story is, what God's doing, and most importantly, how you can share it with other people, all right? So make sure you pick up that tool. All right, so here's our big idea for today. Grace is given to all who answer. Grace is given to all who answer. So we're going to jump into the story that Jesus tells. It's Matthew chapter 20. It's a little long. So, of course, if you don't have a Bible, we've got it on the screens. But if you do have a Bible, I encourage you to get it out, to read through it, to have it open. It just kind of gets got you familiar with God's word. We have Bibles at the Hub for free. So if you don't have one, we'd love to give one to you. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 20. Let's just jump into verse 1, Jesus' words. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So a denarius is the base pay for a day's work in Jesus' day. One denarius for one day's work, okay? Now about nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you ought to go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and, and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. And about five in the afternoon, he went out and still found others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Now, something that's, that's fascinating to me is this happens still all over the world, all right, in places all over the world. In fact, it's estimated that one to 200,000 people in the United in cities, in American cities today, in the morning, daily, gather in city squares, in downtown areas, and just wait. It's not just third world things. It, it happens here. People wait to be hired. They just stand around and wait for an employer to drive up and say, hey, do you guys need to work for today? They say, yes, hop in, let's go. Still happens today, very much common in Jesus' culture. Verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call all the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired, going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day? But he answered one of them, am I not being, uh, am I not being unfair to you, friend? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Okay, a lot going on there. Um, this landowner who has this vineyard goes out five times into the marketplace to find laborers. Early in the morning, 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. Five times. 
all right? The slander goes out, and he, and he asks a question nearly every time, what are you standing around for? All right, it's an interesting question. He knows why they're standing around. They're waiting to be hired, but he asks a question anyway. What are you doing just standing there, all right? And then, he's, and then he kind of makes the invitation. I want you to come. I have work for you to do. I have a purpose for you. I have things I want you to do. Come and do them here. And he's relentless in it. He goes out every couple hours, five times, to go and draw in more people. This landowner is a relentless gatherer of people. So why does Jesus tell the story, or what is it about this story that tells us how God works in your life? And in mine, and, and, and amongst us right now, what is, this, what is Jesus trying to convey with this story? All right, here's the first thing that we're going to jump in today, and it's really the first thing that you notice about this story, and I just pointed it out, is that the kingdom of heaven is invitation only. It's invitation only. But here's the catch. Everyone's invited. Now, Chris was up here last week, and, and, and Jesus' stories often revolved around God being the inviter. And we talked about that last week, but it's here too. God initiates an invitation, all right? It's all the way through scripture. We don't serve a God who forces you to do anything. We don't serve a God who threatens or cajoles you. We serve a God who invites, who initiates, who calls us to come in, all right? And this is unique about Christianity. Uh, did you know that? This is actually unique about the Christian faith. The Eightfold Steps of Buddhism it g- gives you lots of things. It says if you can think this way, if you can behave this way, if you can do this sort of thing, then you will receive something better. Islam is, is no different. Okay? Islam says if you can follow these rules... If you can behave in this sort of way, then Allah will reward you and you will be brought into paradise one day. But see, the Christian faith, Jesus is unique amongst all the Hinduism, the same thing. But Jesus is unique. Jesus never invited people to believe certain rules. He never invited people into a belief system of do this, then this. Jesus is the only one who invited people to know a person, not rules, not belief systems. Jesus invited people to, to himself. It's the only, only religious figure to ever do that. Muhammad said, follow me and I'll show you the way to Allah. Jesus said, follow me because I am the way. It's me. Come to me. It's the only one to invite you to a person, to a relationship, not rules. Kathleen Norris writes this. She, tries, she summarizes uh, the real struggle of Christianity, and this is what she says. She says, the great religious struggle is fought on a spectacular, I'm sorry, the, the great religious struggle is not fought on a spectacular battleground, but within the ordinary human heart. When every morning we awake and we feel the pressures of the day crowding in on us, and we must decide what sort of immortals we wish to be. See, that's the greatest thing about following Jesus is it's by invitation. And you get to decide. And we get to decide. God invites. What's your response? 
And that's the first thing we see about how God's kingdom operates in your life in Jesus' story. But there's a lot more. Grace is given to all who answer. And here's the second thing we see, okay? The kingdom of heaven is unearned reward, okay? Understand that. The kingdom of heaven is unearned reward. So let's, let's backtrack to that, that passage that we read, verse 12, because this is what they say, okay? These who were hired last worked only for an hour, okay? And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Now, I'll tell you what. This infuriates me, okay? And it should you too, all right? Because the laborers who were called in at 5 p.m., and they worked about a 12-hour day then. So if you think of like from dawn till whenever the sun set, or about a 12-hour day, the, the ones who came in at 5 p.m. worked only about an hour, all right? And they were paid the same amount that the guys who've been working since sunup were paid. The heat of the day, long, hard, back-breaking work, I'm sure many of us have done that at some point in our lives or do it still, right? Out in a field, out in the sun, working all day long. That's hard work, all right? That's not necessarily altogether unpleasant, all right? But it's hard work, all right? And, and, and for him to come and say, man, the guys who've only been here for an hour are going to get the same as you. It's insane, <laughs> okay? Our entire Western culture, actually, is, is um, founded on this idea of, it's an individualistic culture. It's all about me, all right? Not necessarily all bad. That sounds horrible, but, but it's the way our culture is driven. I work hard for something. I should get rewarded for something, right? I mean, that, that's, that's the foundation of our culture and our country, actually. I work hard. I should be rewarded. It's an individualistic cultures always say, I achieve, I earn, I do, I collect. Okay. That's how the Western culture works. I work for my highest good. And so we find ourselves working continuously for a better spot in line. All right. We find ourselves working for um, a rewards-based culture. If you do, and you do really well, then you'll get something in return. That's pretty much why you go to work every day, all right? And you see this in sports. You see it in academia. You see it in the workplace. And you see it kind of in the spoils of our rewards. If you drive through a neighborhood or you drive, you know, on your way home here today, you'll see things that people have bought that, that show, hey, I've worked hard. And that's our culture. That's how it's driven, but I want you to imagine this story and the outrage and the unfairness then, even in an Eastern culture. So Eastern cultures such as the ancient world and Jesus' day, not so much an individualistic culture, but they were familial cultures. So they worked hard for the good of the community, not myself, but for the good of the family. But even still, these guys are human, all right? And you should get rewarded for the amount of work you work for. I, this, this is an outrageous story. I think about, I mean, I think about on, on a similar playing field. When I'm standing in line at a store, okay, and, you know, I've got, because I'm an idiot, I never get a cart, and I always should have, so I'm walking around like Meyer like this, like, oh, I just need three things, and then like 10 things later, I'm like, why didn't I get a cart? But anyway, um, so, so, so I'm there, and, and I see if somebody gets in line behind me, and, and they, they've got a cart because they're not stupid, um, and then the cashier next to us, the, uh, the, how you word this is critical, 
critical. Because what you should say is, can I help the next person in line, right? But they don't all do that, do they? Oh, no, no, no. No, some of them say, can I help someone? And I just want to like throw this table across because then the guy behind me scoots over there. And it's not fair because I stood here longer. I was here first. I bore the burden of the day walking through Meyer. all right? And I'm standing there, and this chump who... who <laughs> who's got a cart, I'm just pushing it along. He didn't do any work. He goes and he checks out ahead of me. And I'm still standing there, and he's on his way to his car, and I'm just like fuming. You ever been there? Just like fuming, all right? Because life's not fair, all right? Well, that's very similar to this story, right? All right, it's, it's not fair, all right? When, when J- in Matthew chapter 19, right before Jesus tells this story, okay? Matthew chapter 19 um, Peter, one of the disciples, asks a question of Jesus, and, or Jesus is telling a, a story, and Jesus responds. He's like, well, well, wait a minute now. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. He says, Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Peter says, Jesus, can you imagine? We've left our homes. We've sacrificed family. We've left our communities all to follow you. Certainly our reward's going to be great. And then it's not surprising then that in Matthew 20, Jesus is like, well, let me tell you a story. See, our culture is a reward for our work, equal pay for equal work. And so we, and so we, 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 run this, we run this race all the time, right? So I've been here longer. Certainly, I'm up for the next promotion and not her, I show up to every practice. I work harder. How come he got the spot on the team? See, I've read the books. Why do they seem to have a better marriage than I do? And we do this in faith faith community and religious things as well. I've gone to church all of my life. Certainly that gets me somewhere. Certainly that gets me something because I believed and I've gone this long. Right? They say that they follow Jesus, but I see what they do on Saturday nights. I see what they post on social media. Certainly, I'm in a better place than they are. See, it's a behave-reward culture, and it drives you in almost every decision and every day. Our culture is driven by how we compare ourselves to other people, and here's the problem. Here's the problem with that. There's always someone that's a level or two ahead of you. There's always someone that's in line in front of you. No matter how you try to maneuver it, no matter how many other checkout lines open up, there's always someone that's getting out ahead of you first. And what happens when you see that? Well, you get angry. You're jealous. You start um, figuring out how you can maneuver and how you can move your cart and how you can get there so that you can get a little closer, a little bit ahead. It causes anxiety for you. You're probably feeling it right now. You try harder, you scramble, and then what you do is you start to scan the room a little bit, much like you might scan the room now, much like when you scan the room, maybe when you came in here, and you're looking for someone that at least you're further along than them. At least you're ahead of them. And so the problem with a rewards-based culture, as we live in it now, you're in constant anxiety, there's no guarantees, and it's always a moving target. But Jesus flips the narrative completely on its head. 
Grace is given to all who answer. No matter how they got there, no matter when they got there, equal reward for unequal service. Here's the third thing. The kingdom of heaven requires a response. The kingdom of heaven requires a response. And we see that anytime there's an invitation, right? You got to respond one way or another. Notice that the landowner, notice what he invites them to. Let's hit on this just for a second. Notice what he invites them to. He invites them to what? To work. Somebody just said it. To work. He invites them to come to work. Did you know, okay, that God invites you to know him through Jesus Christ? And then that's not all. Then he gives you something to do. He gives you work. He gives you purpose. So when you go to work later today, maybe you just got off, maybe you go tomorrow, when you go to school, when you go back home and begin to do the things that you do at home, here at White Oak, when we meet on Sundays and all the ministries that operate, not just Sundays, but throughout the week, when you come to, to serve in ministry, your work matters. He's called you. God has invited you. Do you ever think about it like this? God has invited you into kingdom-impacting work no matter what it is you do on Monday morning and everything that you do on Monday morning. God has called you to work. I was listening to a radio station the other day. I had just must have just written this, and, and the DJ's... Um, we're, we're, we're just, you know, lamenting. It must have been like, a, it must have been a Monday. Like, oh, the daily grind. And I got this little, like, you know, sound bite of like this, wah, wah, you know. And, you know, work's awful. I can't believe we got to go back. But hey, Friday's on its way, you know. And, 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 and it kind of made me sad. Of course, I kind of feel, I, I, I know that feeling, as you do too. But, but it kind of made me sad. And man, that's not how God sees it. He created you for work. He created Adam. Before there was ever sin in the world, there was work. He worked the garden. You see that? Genesis. God gave you purpose in the things, and he calls you into his work. So, so the job that you have is not just about um, doing something that you love to do. Well, that's fun. It's not just about making money, which you do. Right? It's not about um, supporting a lifestyle, and, it, and it's certainly not about this, drudger, this, this drudgery that I have to put up with until Saturday comes. God intends much more for you out of your work, out of the places he's put you. So having a kingdom mindset, allowing God's kingdom to infiltrate your life, know this, that he not only calls you to a person in Jesus, but in that person, he's called you to work. That means that you approach what you do on Monday morning and say, how can I do what I do? I don't know if you're mopping floors. I don't know if you're, if you're, if you're scheduling people to go, to go out and into the field. I don't know if you're shuffling papers. I don't know if, if, you're, if you're turning a wrench. I don't know what you do. But, it, but, but what God says is when you go, when you do, I want you to work for, for people. Increase justice in this world. Increase peace in this world and work for the well-being of other people. 
That's what I've called you to do. I invited you into that work. And in that, consider how you might point your coworkers or your employees or your classmates or your teammates, pull them in to see a bit of who Jesus is through the way that you do your work. Your work matters. And God's called you into work, good work for his glory and for the sake of other people, for their eyes to be turned to him. The kingdom of heaven is about your obedience to the work that God has given you. And what's your response to that? Notice the landowner's final comment. But he answered one of them, and I, am I not being unfair to you, friend? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Here's the last thing that I see Jesus making a point about how the kingdom of God infiltrates your life and mine. The kingdom of heaven is about the work that Jesus did. The kingdom of heaven is about the work that Jesus did. Okay, hold on here. Now listen. Who are you in this story? Okay, we've been asking that question. As you read stories, you're like, oh, who am I? I want to be this character. Who do you think you are in this story? Well, most of us probably don't think that we're the landowners, okay? So the question is, were you the, were you the guys and the ladies invited at, at morning, at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., or noon, 3, you know, 3 p.m., 5 p.m.? Who are you in this story? Whether you're the early adopters who came in in the morning or you're the latecomers to God's invitation, did you know that we all have issues with God's grace. We all take issue with God's grace. Did you know that you take issues with God's generosity? You think you deserve something, and we don't. You think other people deserve less, and they don't. Even in the space that we are in right now this morning, we compare and we judge and we withhold grace. And some of you, there's some of us out here who think you deserve less than God's grace because you know your heart. You know what you've done. And you think you deserve less than God's grace. And I can tell you this, out of everybody else in this room, Jesus would say, you are the one that's closest to the kingdom of God than the rest of us. You are closer to getting it than the rest of us. Because God rewards you out of his own generosity. Because let me tell you this, the wages that you and I deserve for a hard day's work is hell. That's what we deserve. We deserve to be eternally separated from a really good heavenly father because we've all decided to go our own way, haven't we? You and me and the guys that were invited to come work for an hour at 5 p.m., guess what? We are all in a community of sinners. Our sin sickness runs so deeply in our hearts, in our culture, that it's widespread. And the reward that our Heavenly Father then gives us anyway is not based on our work. It's based on your and my willingness to say yes. Do you understand that? Hear that. The work, all right, the reward that you and I get 
from our good Father is not based on the work we did, but on our willingness to say yes to the Master's invite. So therefore, I don't, I don't, I don't obey my, my master, my heavenly father, my good dad in heaven. I don't obey him in order to be accepted. I obey him and I work for him because I've already been accepted, because I've already been promised a reward. And out of joy and, and, and thankfulness and obedience, I say, God, put me in wherever you want me and I'll go there. The father made a call, an invitation. And do you know who answered it? Jesus did. Father says, someone's got to go. Someone's got to die. And the son said, I'm going. I'll do it. And he stepped in and he paid the price for sin that you and I could never pay in a hundred years of hard work. He completed the work that you and I could work for 100 years and we would never accomplish. He died to save you from your sin so that you and I could be reunited with a good heavenly father forever and eternity. He obeyed perfectly. Church, let me tell you, your reward is good and generous, but you have to answer the invitation. You tell, uh, let me tell you this. And this story still bothers me. God is unfair. And thank God he's unfair. Amen? Thank God he's unfair. Through Jesus, you don't get what you deserve. Jesus got what you deserve so that you could have life. Grace is given to anyone who answers. We're going to go into a time of communion right now. And if you didn't get a communion pack, um, they are in a basket back there on that table. So go ahead and go and grab one or grab one for you, a couple for your family. No big deal. Um, I forgot to grab one. So, you know, it happens. Um, go grab one. And thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Let me, let, me, let me tell you this. Communion, it's symbols that everybody who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, all of us who have answered that invitation, we do this. And Jesus said, in that time that he sat down with his disciples, in this meal, this dinner, they're sitting around in this dinner table, listen to what he says. Take this, my body, and take my blood. Listen to the words. Oh, it matters. Take it. Take it. I'm offering it to you. Listen, listen, guys, you have to receive it. We have to answer the invitation to grace. Listen, you, you can have a perfectly cooked meal sitting right in front of you on the table with this lavish spread, and you can still starve to death. Do you know how? Because you don't take it. You don't eat it. You have to take it. Jesus chose his words very carefully. Take my body. Take my blood. I am offering it to you, but you get to choose to receive it. I'm not just dying, Jesus told them in that time. I'm, just, I'm not just dying for you. 
you have to take me into yourself. Take him into yourself. As we take the bread together, remember his body that was given to you that you must choose to receive by his grace. Amen. Let's take the bread together. Open the cup. Jesus did not shed his blood on the cross so that you could see only that there's a God who's willing to die for you. But so you know that the invitation is open to anyone who would believe. He bled so that you could receive him into yourself. The invitation is to know a person, and he loves you. So let's take the juice. Pray with me. Father God in heaven, I praise you that you are a God who invites. You are a God who initiates. You are a God who does the work. I thank you that you are a God of grace. I praise you, Father. Father, I praise you for your Son. I praise you for the Holy Spirit that is stirring in my soul. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen.